Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the Big Chill Podcast, The Barcelona Situation. All right, another great week of sports with some pretty interesting results that I'm sure we're going to get a really great discussion on. First, let's uh, go say hi to the boys. Eddie, uh, I'm hoping you're going to tell us about your little impromptu baseball game you saw on the streets of Paris a few nights ago. Oh, yeah. want, want to give us want, want to give us the update on that are, are they trying to play uh minor leagues now in the streets yeah i think i saw the future uh manny ramirez out in the streets of paris saw a little scuffle outside a bar and one of the guys working in the bar came outside with a with a baseball bat he went sort of sort of like walking dead on them and then proceeded to walk up the hill smashing the bat on the ground every step screaming for for someone to come so he could knock their skull in. It was a, it was a pretty intimidating move. And you're okay, yeah? I'm fine, but you should see him. No, he, no he's, <laughs> in the end, he didn't actually swing his bat at anyone. It, it was sufficiently scary that no one took him on, and then the police arrived within seconds. So, When you said, like, walking dead, I assumed, like, the barbed wire around the baseball bat kind of situation. He's one but... step away. I'm assuming, I'm assuming after this week, he was like, I got to up my game now. They know what they're coming in for. So now he'll have the he'll have the barbed wire wrapped around it. Wait, do you mean up in a game against the the casual punters or up in a game against the police? <laughs> Either one, who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I think it was like a 15 person brawl, so I don't know if I could consider them to be casual punters. But... Was it metal or wooden? The bat. Wooden. Ooh, which made it so actually cool. actually in a weird way more intimidating because the the thud of the wood on the cement made a better noise than like an like an aluminium bat clanking like the thud was way better from the wood it sucks this rarely happens when i'm in paris well <laughs> i can probably arrange for your head to be knocked in <laughs> yeah. preferably as a viewer rather than a participant okay. well that's tougher <laughs> yeah arrange for something like 20 foot away from where we are and i'll be i'll be happy all right sam do you have a weekend story to up that one no, absolutely not. The only, I mean, the only story was um, me asking Eddie where's best for Calamari and Peroni in Paris after Leon's 3-1 victory. <laughs> but, I mean, crazy three games, right? You had, yeah. you had yeah, Leon. So you just... Yeah, like Leon, the beating Man City, simply put. Uh, Barcelona, story of this podcast, getting absolutely rail train wrecked there they were destroyed and they were absolutely decimated it was crazy but yeah like did you all watch them did you watch all the games yeah i watched it all i mean i'm most surprised by the by city going out i'm more surprised by that than by and that and i genuinely mean that if you had told me going into the weekend which of these two scenarios is more likely bayern munich eight barcelona two or Lyon 3, Man City 1, I would have genuinely said Lyon 3, Man City 1 was the, the less likely scenario. Surely you've got to take the eight goals in the Champions League that's never been done before. No, because I've been watching Barcelona ever since the restart, and they looked like a team that could turn on each other, they looked like a team that could give up, and they looked like a team that couldn't defend. So when you pack that all together, conceding eight goals to a very good side, is not that surprising to me. I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have sort of bet my life on it, but it doesn't, the outcome, and I think the fact of how severe the fallout has been from the match 
is representative of the fact that it was more representative of the overall sort of status of the club rather than just some horrific night where everything went wrong. The thing is, like Barcelona, they've been embarrassed actually quite a few times in these late stages when you look back at it. Like the Liverpool, what was it, 4-0? Um, the miraculous escape against PSG that they had, what, like five or six years? But then they also got spanked by Roma um, in it as well. They, well, you could, you could almost argue, you're, you're touching on a good point there. They've, at this stage of the competition or one round before, they've been horrifically beaten in one leg. And they've been fortunate that uh, several of, on several of those occasions, they've been able to bounce back or survive because they so, managed to kind of wipe that out from history. So maybe if they've been playing two so legs. So they just had that second leg, they had it. They were just setting it up. No one told them there wasn't yeah. a second leg. They went, in, they went in the locker rooms and, and were like, are you kidding me? This is it? I thought we got, yeah, they, the, I thought we got a second leg coming. They just went back in we and they're like, this. two away goals, guys. Two away goals. No Six nil win. Don't, yeah. <laughs> no, no reply to Seven yeah. seven nil and we're cruising. New camps a fortress. Wait, is that our manager walking out the door? Oh, shit. <laughs> are all of our players up for sale? Why are we getting booed? We've got ninety more minutes, guys. Oh, no. Why are we getting booed? There's no one in the stadium. That would be the real question. <laughs> Barcelona are, actually picked 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 the music and the, just the crowd noise to boo them. <laughs> just the substitutes booing the guys who played off the pitch. <laughs> Yeah, hot off the press. So manager's been sacked, uh, what, about 20 minutes ago? And uh, apparently Kerman's going to be um, taking over on like a two-year deal. Uh, but, I mean, I mean just if it is Kerman, about... it's a pretty uninspiring... It is. Um, I was reading about it, and apparently Pochettino was a pretty obvious one. But the issue with him is he's massively affiliated with Espanyol. Um, so they don't feel it would have been that good a hire. And then, to be honest... Is that, wait, that's a Barcelona's decision? That's not Pochettino's? Well, I think it's... Yeah, so Pochettino's probably an obvious call. Uh, I think I think what I read was that he was contacted, and I think Barca made the decision that the fans probably would resent hiring an Espanol legend to oversee what is going to be one of the most turbulent, terrible times for the club, actually. That's I mean, ridiculous. Not saying that I would definitely hire Pochettino, but if that's your reasoning for turning down a manager who 18 months ago was near on the hottest property in, in management, in European club management, because he's, he's has had has a, a past with, okay, admittedly your local rivals, but fundamentally not your biggest rivals. Yeah. You know, on that basis... I mean, you have to feel sorry for Pochettino then because it, how, he's, there's not a lot, jo- lot of jobs going for him <laughs> on that, <laughs> by that logic. He can never be Arsenal manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. he's gone. But, but I think the thing is, like, because I, I agree with you about Pochettino, I think he is the best manager available at the time. But also, surely Barcelona fans, and obviously if, if there are any listening in Spain, you can tell me about our viewership. But if anyone is a Barcelona fan, you've got to accept the, the manager coming in is going to probably gut that team. And you're going to have to accept that next season is not your season or, or even the season after. So actually, I would say that's probably the right time to bring in someone that you're a little bit uneasy about because you're probably going to be more casual about the fact that they're going to gut the team and try something different, try something new. Because, you know, I guess I'm packing the Barcelona thing. So uh, that team's 
going to be gutted. Like I, we were talking about these reports about everyone's up for sale, which is which is crap to be honest. But there are going to be a lot of people going right in that Barca team. Yeah, I think there'll be. Uh, Inter Milan have just gotten three 0 up as we speak, so Inter Milan have definitely booked their place into the, the final of Europa League. But yeah, I think we're definitely looking at. A significant exodus. I think when you see these reports that either everyone apart from four players are, is up for sale or six players, whatever the number is, to me, that's ludicrous. Just from the standpoint of it might be true that if you put in the right bid for any one of those players, they'll be out the door. But it does seem to imply, and I don't think anyone within the club is kind of trying to stop this thought process, that they are going to sh- push 15, 16, 17 players out the door in the same transfer window. And that just isn't going to happen. For starters, they're going to struggle to find suitable buyers for a lot of those players because they're on big wages. Most of them are reasonably old. So, I mean, part of the reason why they're willing to sell them is because they aren't exactly in the prime of their careers. Yes. But even if you can find every, you know, the, that, the right people to buy all of those players, you're not going to have that kind of turnover. You're not going to replace... 80 or 90 percent of your squad in a single season yeah i was re- i was reading about it that i think barcelona spends 70 percent or 70 percent of their income has to go on players wages so ultimately they're going to have to do something about that in order to move on and move forward and give like fresh blood wages i mean do you do you just get rid of Messi? is is that the thing at the moment like he is such a linchpin for that team like every single thing goes through him um when he doesn't play usually they're a lot worse he completely saves that team more often than not it's is he the guy that just needs to go now to me yeah, i would I, i'd have an honest few weeks ago right yeah i'd have an honest conversation with him and say how long are you intending on playing for if it's so two years three right yeah if it's one or two years maybe you hold on to him because I guess the only argument is you don't want to see either the president or the manager who comes out, comes in. You don't want to be the guy who forced Messi out of Barcelona. It's going it, to, even if supporters sort of understand the motive, they, there will be a backlash, a significant backlash. So that would be the challenge. But I think if you are going to properly rebuild the team, it has to be rebuilding it without Messi. But until he's gone, it is going to be a temporary structure in place because everything runs through him. How can you possibly blood a new set of youngsters or a new set of players to take on those responsibilities? It's just not possible. And then you've got like Suarez, who is past his prime now, very much yeah. so. But then you've also got people like Griezmann, uh, Dembele. Um, well, I, I, I mean, that's the other argument. Who signs for Barcelona at the moment? Yeah. Who would who would go on to that absolute Titanic of a club at the moment? Like you you know where the winds are blowing with that club at the moment, and they they came out with um, sacking the manager, and they basically said like this is step one. So they're clearly they clearly are going to gut the club. Let, but if you're a player, and, and you, obviously you're you're a player with the sort of pedigree necessary for Barcelona to be interested in you, so you have to assume every other top club is interested in you. What recent history would show you that? Barcelona is a career killer. You know, Antoine Griezmann signed for Barcelona as arguably the hottest property in European football at the time. I don't think many people would be interested in him at the moment. Coutinho, they basically ruined his career. 
and then uh, rejuvenated it by putting him on loan. <laughs> yeah, I mean the best, the, the highlight of Coutinho's Barcelona career, career is scoring two goals against them as they go as they lose eight two, and then Dembele. Okay, Dembele is the one who seemingly his personal life might impact his performance on the pitch because he stays up all night playing Fortnite or whatever. And but even so, it's still representative of the club that they haven't figured a way to sort that out. Yeah. But I mean, you know, signing for Barcelona at the moment, you would think, oh gosh, I go there. There's no guarantee that either I'm successful in my time at Barcelona or that going to Barcelona means that I can go elsewhere and then be successful. Yeah. You would have to be given some pretty mega promises at Barcelona in terms of like how you're being played in order to consider it at the moment, because also they're just going to get, um, there's like people like PK that they're going to have to do something about as well. Um, well, like Vidal as well. There's there's so many players where they're at kind of differing stages. But I, I, I think I read a stat that the Barcelona team that played Bayern was just under an average age of 30. I think it was maybe like 29 and like half a year or something. And that's crazy. That that's That's insane. I think that's the oldest team average fielded in the Champions League as well. So... It's an aging club and they need to, and I think State 2, if anything, could be one of those tiny blessings. But the problem with Barcelona is they're not going to, the fans won't accept kind of like an Arsenal level situation where you've got a good club that has declined and has to take five years completely out of it. But, yeah. Yeah, and also, are they going to accept finishing 20, 25 points behind Real Madrid? Because you're also looking at that. I mean, there are teams that probably... Would you say like Sevilla and Atletico Madrid would... Be, I don't think so. I think that's higher going, next year? I think that's going too far because I don't think Atletico Madrid look particularly special. Sevilla are what Sevilla are, which is they're very good in European knockout competitions. You know, but I, wouldn't, I would be stunned if they finished ahead of Barcelona next year. But realistically, if you do have a relatively large exodus from Barcelona... You are bringing in new players. You are maybe trying to slightly change the approach. Not in the sense they're always going to play the overall style of play that they, you know, that's at the heart of their club. But if you are making Messi a less significant figure, then you are going to slightly change your approach. And if you go through all of that, it's it's very believable to think they'll be 15, 20, 20 points, you know, further away from Real Madrid. Because you also have to assume that Real Madrid are probably going to get slightly better than they were this year because they're on an upward curve. Yeah. But also just looking, because we obviously talked about what the, who the next Barcelona manager might be. So you're right that Komen's, he's odds on. Pochettino is second favorite at 5-1. to one. The interesting one is Guardiola is fourth favorite at 7-1. to one. And I guess that kind of brings us up, mm, also pushes yeah. us on to City, but the prospect that maybe Guardiola feels that he's done everything that he can do at City and that it's time to go back to Barcelona and be the kind of returning savior. Yeah. But by doing everything he can, does that involve losing an absolute shitty match in the quarterfinals of the Champions League? Was well, that they, on his they've checklist? kind of mastered the. Was that on his checklist? They've they kind of mastered the disappointing exit from the Champions League. That is yeah. Manchester City's. Mo for in the Guardiola era, and I mean before Guardiola as well, but definitely in his, t- they've been all conquering in, in English football and in European football. They struggle to get biased, you know, teams that they should easily beat. 
Yeah. Who's it been recently? It's been Spurs and obviously this one against Leon. Uh, there was another one as well that they faltered against in the quarters. I can't remember. Yeah, so last year was Spurs in the semi-final. Great game, though. Yeah, but still another team that they show over two legs yeah, they should be beating. Absolutely. Oh, no, that was... No, actually, no. Spurs was the quarterfinal, right? Yeah. The semifinal was Spurs-Ajax. Um, yeah, I mean, just time and time again. And they they also just look shaky. It's, it is a bit surprising because they did look good against Real Madrid. Yes. And... Uh, but and in a way, in a weird way for them, right? If they'd just been knocked out by Real Madrid, they wouldn't have faced a lot of criticism. People would have said, well, that's an understandable result. Real Madrid are one of the best sides in Europe. Better luck next year. But the fact that they've knocked Real Madrid out and then gone and lost to Lyon, and it's the utmost respect to Lyon, right? Who have also knocked out Juventus. So it's not as if it's a total fluke, but you, there's no way that City team should be and and the real thing to me is ignoring sterling's miss ignoring the fact that in the city missed a number of chances and their defending was woeful yeah but ignoring all that the way they set up for that match the fact that guardiola changed their formation changed their style of play and seemed to treat leon as if they were one of the best teams in europe by sticking in two defensive midfielders and completely going away from you know, the way they'd been playing in recent weeks and months, it made absolutely no sense. And it turned into a first-half performance that was just awful. Yeah. I, I think the City were just too conservative. It, the, the way they set out, the way they set their stall, they, they're, almost, they're almost waiting for a pressure that was never going to come from this Leon team. Leon were always going to break when they had the ball. And it, it was just so strange because Man City similar to Liverpool in a way, even though it's very dominant in possession, it's this constant high press mentality. That's why Bayern do so well as well. I think the high press does so well in European, but I guess football at the moment. And for some reason, City just didn't do it. I, I, it was really strange. Like it was one and of the characteristics the of why they beat Madrid. It was just, yeah, it was just second strange. Half, second half, they were good. You know, second half, they must have created... Six very good goal-scoring opportunities. Obviously, score, scored once. Sterling absolutely should have scored. But, you know, you realistically, they the second-half performance on any other day, really, would have seen them through and people would have thought it was a bit lackluster in the first half, but it was fine. But they did turn. They took a tie that should have been relatively comfortable for them, and their approach played directly into Leon's hands which yeah. was basically, oh, we, we probably can't withstand 90 minutes of pressure from you, as you touched on. Instead, can you survive 45 minutes of pr- pressure from us? Huh. And that, yeah. that was, it makes just zero sense. And it also, while we then talk about the City match, I think that the, the Lyon second goal being allowed to stand uh-huh. is one of the more laughable decisions in, in recent times. Why? so it exposes two issues for me i can accept that the rules of the game mean that the that uh the player is not offside because as long as he doesn't touch the ball he's not interfering i think that is a laughable approach to the game of football because you have to factor in that the 
central defenders playing an offside trap have seen this player go. They've seen a ball played directly in his direction to the extent that he allowed the ball to run through his legs. So he effectively played a dummy. And it's gone, well, as long as he hasn't touched it, he's not offside. He's not interfering with play unless the ball physically makes contact with him. That is the correct decision from the, the officials on the pitch and a correct decision from VAR. So you can only argue with that one in the sense that it makes, it, to me, the idea, I mean, I know there's this sort of famous quote that gets attributed to Bill Shankly, which is, if he's not interfering with play, what's he doing on the pitch? But the, the, the concept holds true. And you can't expect that defenders are going to kind of go, he's offside, but he, oh, I doubt he'll touch it so I can let him go, but I've got to watch this guy. You know, you're, you're asking for the defenders suddenly to work out, you know, these kind of complex equations of who is more likely to be the first person to touch the ball and how do I react to this? Impossible. I also think impossible for the officials to try and enforce that kind of role. It's just too complicated. When is he in? And and then second of all, even though Dembele obviously didn't intentionally uh, trip Laporte, obviously it was incidental contact, but there was clear contact between the two of them. It caused Laporte to fall over. Laporte was otherwise in a good position to stay in front of Dembele. It has put Dembele directly through on goal and he's gone on to score. Yes. And, um, and if, if roles were reversed, if Dembele had been sprinting into the box and had run in front of Laporte, and Laporte had just inadvertently clipped Dembele's heel, and he had tumbled over. They would have given a penalty and not thought twice about it. And usually the argument is the opposite, which is, oh, if that foul had occurred outside the box, it would have been a foul, but if it yeah. occurred inside the box, it wouldn't be a, they wouldn't give it as a penalty. This is a bizarre one where it's, if that had occurred inside the box, he would have definitely given a penalty, but it happens on the halfway line, and you think, well, there was a long way to go, and he didn't mean it. Yeah. So actually, the points you've raised, are, are, they're almost like the flip opposite, right, aren't they? Because one of them is, in my opinion, the problem with interference is purely that it's subjective. Like you cut one, one referee or linesman or VAR official is going to look at the concept of interference. It, what, it, as far as I'm concerned, you are interfering with play. Cause as you say, the ball has come so close to him. He hasn't, I don't think there was the intention to do that. I think it was just improvisation at the moment, but there's still interference. And then the second thing is that is interference on Laporte. So this, this happened quite a lot in the premier league last season is that how far in the attacking phase of play do you go to when when something happens because isn't it the idea that if there's a handball say eight phases of play back but the team is still attacking you rule out the goal because it's within the attacking phase it's in that one phase going through that leads to a goal so you would well, this time you're not even going far back you're going probably back four seconds and my guess is Dembele probably touched the ball four times between he clipped a heel then probably took two or three touches and shot yeah so you're not it's not some i would agree with you if you'd been going back if several passes had been played and he went well he clipped his heel inadvertently i can live with that one hmm. but when it's well he went from having a defender in front of him to being clean through on goal because he's tripped someone up you're basically allowing at, now from now on attackers if i was a coach and here's a killer for me that rule is inconsistently applied Yes. If it's from now on, it's going to be, the rule is going to be, if we don't think you intended to foul the player, it's not a foul. 
okay, I can live with that. But then that needs to be applied consistently across the board. Normally it's, you tripped him. Yeah, I completely agree. It's because the the idea of VAR in the first place was to make absolute decisions on things that are almost to the letter or not. You can't introduce subjective positions as almost like a uh, like a like a rule going forward. You can't say like, oh, well, if it's unintentional, but then they've scored, then that should be fine. Because as you say, then you've now got to apply that every time. But each VAR official, each referee is going to have a different perspective. Someone could have easily just blown up and everything stopped, right? Well, so also, it's, even it's worse, subjective. it kind of, as it runs through my head, this idea that like, oh, well, you, you, you just because you were running and you weren't thinking about tripping him, you know, you could make, you could even extend, you could, you could go make a sliding <laughs> we're get tackle. to like the psychology of you the player. You could make a sliding tackle in the box and they give a foul and you go, well, I obviously didn't mean to foul him. Okay. Like we're clear. I didn't slide in thinking to give away a penalty. We're all in agreement here. Right. So is it a foul? Yeah. You know, we're getting, we're getting into the psyche of it, right? I but didn't mean to break his ankle. Like the goal, I'm not Roy Keane. I didn't. Oh, set the Roy Keane approach. I didn't set out to ruin his career. Therefore, why is it a red card? So that to me is bizarre. It's it's you cannot possibly apply that, and that fundamentally, you know, you you're you're just looking at it, and as I said, they're going to give. I know in the next two or three months when football resumes. It wouldn't even stun me if in one of these semifinals or finals, a player will inadvertently foul someone. And by that, I mean running and tripping someone up when it clearly he was just in the action of running, not going for the ball, nothing. He will do that and a foul will be given. And I'm in 100% agreement with that. But if I'm a City supporter or if I'm one of those City players, it is going to drive me insane. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, though... I, I agree with exactly what you're saying, but I think we're missing the bigger point here where had Sterling not just missed one of the <laughs> easiest goals in soccer this year, this wouldn't even be a talking point because they would have went up or tied. No, no, that and it still would have been a talking point because that was the second goal. That was yeah, the second yeah, goal. Yeah, it would have been 2-2. Two, and it would have, but it would have changed the whole architecture have, of that game. It, it would have done. It would have done. But you could still say as a City supporter, and look, you don't want to. City shouldn't have put themselves. The criticism has to be firmly on City because they shouldn't have put themselves in a situation in that match where one or two refereeing decisions or one or two mistakes were the defining part of the match. That the fact well, that we're already kind of breaking down the match in that sense shows that City didn't turn up because the game shouldn't have been that close huh. on paper. But City were well on top at the point at which, you know, once City scored, when Kevin De Bruyne scored, A, City had already been sort of just applying constant pressure in that second half. Kevin De Bruyne scored. And I think everyone watching thought, here we go, game over. It's going to finish 3-1, 4-1 City. This is it. And they continued. um, Jesus missed a chance just after to put them up that he should have scored probably. You know, they, they had the chances. And that's not to give City this kind of get-out-of-jail-free card because of a refereeing mistake. But if it, if it had stayed one all, City would have almost certainly won. And the fact that they kind of clawed, you say clawed their way back in, but like clawed their way back into the match, and then 10 minutes later, you have this gut punch of this yeah. awful refereeing decision that puts you behind again. And, and we, we t- when we spoke about this Liverpool winning the title, we kind of said, look, City, there's no way to dispute the fact that City on the balance of things, they don't have, 
they don't have refereeing or VAR decisions go against them that are sort of indisputable errors. But every time it's a coin flip, it seems to go against City. And every time it's a coin flip, it seems to go in favor of Liverpool. And then you get to the Champions League quarterfinal, and you basically argue it's an extension of that same thing. Where here, you expected it to be overturned, but it wasn't. But you can't say it was an awful decision, but it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I just keep going to the fact, like, they, they shouldn't have been in that situation. They shouldn't have started that first half the way they started. They looked terrible the first half just so conservative and then the second half they come out and i mean you've just got to score your opportunities i mean look look at leon what did they have four shots on goal scored oh, three leon took every you know i mean leon like, took every chance yeah yeah no leon yeah, took every like chance. Ev- every opportunity they had they made the most of it and every opportunity city had it was just not enough close but not enough every time and that's i mean you can say yeah that those those calls screwed them but at the end of the day what screwed them is how many near chances they miss like every I mean, five I guess what we, second what half we, what we didn't know and probably everyone should have known beforehand is that turns out Raheem Sterling had a non-refundable holiday booked and he just did not want to miss out on that he's got a really nice couple of weeks in the Lake District playing Leon he, yeah, yeah exactly yeah drinks are free but yeah he got is that wrong Guardiola got it wrong, right? That that's that's the simple thing here. I think I like yes. I know we're unpacking it, but Guardiola got the tactic wrong. Uh, they Leon, it shouldn't have been three one even with that incorrect tactic. But yeah, so what are we looking at now? We're looking at Germany v France in both semis, right? Here, here's the other thing that that really annoys me because one of the things that came out of this was like, oh, is this a sign that Premier, like the English football is no longer no. on top? And he went, you can't be this knee-jerk. You can't have last year when both European finals were all English affairs. For the first and then time, this yeah. time around, okay, you had you know, one English team in the quarterfinals, one English team in the Europa League semifinals. You can't suddenly go, oh, look, it looks, it looks like English teams must be awful this year. It's like, no, they're knockout competitions. And these things happen, and there's plenty of good teams in Europe, and on any given day, one of them can beat the other. That's the way it goes. Yeah, what, what do you think's made a more dramatic downfall? The English Premier League in the world stage or the 49ers after their defeat? The 49ers are going from strength to strength, so... I mean, when there's zero doubt. Yeah, I mean, there's zero doubt that the 49ers are winning their division next year and, well, this year, and that they're making the playoffs and that they're making the, you know, at least at the bare minimum, the. I'll say the the bare minimum, they're making the Super Bowl. Bare minimum, they're making the Super Bowl. But it's make the Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. Okay. They're making the Super Bowl. They're not going to make the Super Bowl. I'd be surprised if they make the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a wager. Man, I can't wait till I can't wait till George Kittle starts listening to our podcast. He hears you challenging him to weightlifting competitions, just <laughs> shitting on the 49ers. I just can't wait till we're recording a podcast and we see him burst through the door behind you and just <laughs> Just with a dumbbell, just like poof. Just ideally, ideally with the Lombardi Trophy after they win it next year, I would love to watch him just cave your head in with that. Wow! 
I don't know if he'd have the arm strength to do it. No. <laughs> Those spaghetti arms. No. Okay. But I guess definitely, talking, about, talking, about, talking about Super Bowl or bust, playoff or bust, I guess that, that, that kind of moves us on to maybe a hockey or bust. Will we ever be covering the NHL again? Obviously, oh. the series have not been wrapped up yet, but Frank can give us on a little update on the three series on which Sam and Sam and Frank disagreed. All right. Well, sit back, get your popcorn ready, because we've got a nice forty-five minutes of hockey talk. And if you didn't hear any hockey talk just now, that's because I've edited out forty-five minutes that's <laughs> going on about it. So just keep in mind: if that's gone, it's been cut. And that's all I've got to say about those series. So. <laughs> Wow, that was really um, interesting, Frank. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah, so as it stands, uh, Sam and I actually, Sam the Squid, sorry, and I actually picked a decent amount of the same teams uh, for five of the series. And actually, every one of those that we picked, the team is winning that series. But the three important ones that are going to decide whether we talk about hockey or not are the Philadelphia Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens. I took the Flyers. Sam the Squid took the Canadians. The Flyers are up 2-1, but I have to say I am a little nervous with how well the Canadians are playing. I did not think they'd play this good. They're up on um, aggregate, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works in hockey, apparently. But, I mean, the, the thing with the Canadians is they have one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie in the NHL, and it's just showing you how much a goalie can impact the series. I mean, because he's... Oh, should we, like should we trot out that classic uh, NHL playoffs discussion? If the goalie gets hot, who knows what's going to happen in that series? The team could go... They could go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. It is true. I mean, he's... You know, it's the last super, two games, he's that, let up it's two goal, super one goal in the last two games. But that's that super insightful hockey like analysis that gets thrown out all the time. And it's one of those <laughs> things that can just be retired. I think everyone's heard it. I don't watch hockey. I've heard it. No one ever needs to say it again. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, but I think the only thing here is he is probably the best goalie in the league. So it's basically, you know, I wouldn't say that with the 15th ranked goalie. I don't think he's going to, they're going to have a chance, but he's playing well. So who knows? But right now Philly's up two one in that series Uh, The next series is the Vancouver Canucks versus the defending champion, St. Louis Blues. The Canucks did take a 2-0 series lead, but the Blues pulled one in overtime last night to bring it to a 2-1 series. So this one I think is going to be interesting. That was the first game the Blues have won since they've gotten in the bubble, so maybe that's going to turn them around, or maybe the Canucks just kind of push past them. all the games have been close. At least the last two have been close, both overtime. So that one, I think, is definitely up in the air. And then we get to the third one, which the Washington Capitals, mm. shout out to Anton again, are playing the New York Islanders. <laughs> a shout out before you shit on. <laughs> the Capitals yeah, more of a, absolutely more of a heads up. <laughs> more, of a, more of a heads up, something's coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up, Anton, because the Caps are about to get steamrolled out of the fucking playoffs. <laughs> Cannot wait until Duka they come back. Cuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put this out here. If they come back to win that series, you're off the podcast. 
<laughs> Shit. It's not, it's not more, it's not no more Augie talk. It's no more Frank talk. No, actually, uh, he'll stay on the podcast. He's just not allowed to say yeah, he's, anything. He's just an observer. <laughs> yeah. He's just allowed to listen. Okay. Uh, so well, that one's, that favoring one's 3-0. You. Favoring you. me slightly, but still close. What yeah. would be impressive, Sam, is if I win two out of these three, but we both win all the other five, and you have randomly picked six out of the eight correct winners of the series. That would be pretty impressive. Well, I get another shot at this, don't I, just by, um, just by how close it was. So Yeah, yeah. we're definitely doing round two. And, yeah. and I guess it also brings us on to we'll, round we'll put one. another test on Sam the Squid's prediction capabilities by doing NBA round one predictions. The first yes. game just wrapped up, but apart from that... I won't say what happened. Oh, wow. I, yeah. just, saw, I just saw Inter won 5-0, by the way. Wow. We, won't say, we won't say what happened in that one game, but at least it's a little bit easier to manage. Sam, can, you only have the chance of being behind in one series to start off, not every series. Uh, uh, That's true. There we go again. <laughs> All right. All right. So same rules apply, except Sam, should we ask Sam? All right. Let's ask Sam. Uh, yeah. Give me, give, me three, give me three qualifier questions. See what happens. Okay. How many players are on the court per team? Four. <laughs> Great start. Oh my God. <laughs> this is even worse because, Sam, I've watched a basketball game with you before. I'm, I'm I'll give you another one. I'll give you another like, one, uh, Sam. Who, okay. who won the NBA title last year? The Lakers. Interesting. I'm not even cool? going to give you feedback on that pick because it <laughs> might be – we'll, we'll discuss your Lakers pick afterwards, but I'm not going to – It might give you a clue. <laughs> it might influence – it, no, no, no. It might influence if I say that's oh, right or if I say okay. it's wrong. It actually might influence your picks here. So oh. we'll keep in mind that Sam thought the Lakers won the. You sly fox. NBA and the fact title. that you said thought probably didn't. Well, no, because maybe now I'll be like, and Sam knew the Lakers won, but I don't want to give away whether it was right or wrong. All right, we'll do one more. Who is fox. nicknamed the Greek freak? I don't know. Some some Greek Bacillus. guy. <laughs> don't don't say where he plays. I won't say anything. I I, but... I, I honestly don't know. No, I've got no idea. Zero. But idea. By all means, uh, Frank, try and pronounce his last name. Nope. <laughs> I'm lucky if I could pronounce his first name. <laughs> Although I did read something the other day that came up about this. Um, is it like Slovenian or Slovakian guy, like Donic or Doncic or something like that? That's apparently. Oh, he he's. Oh, I see. Ooh. I see here. Yeah, I see. I see. You you didn't do any research on hockey, no, but now you're gonna zero, like, zero did research. Read, but I did it read came about up. this guy who's like the twelfth best player for the Jazz, and they're saying he okay. Could there we do go. Well see, the key point here is that I saw it. But didn't click the article. Just saw no, 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 I didn't. His name. Uh, was, so no, I no, didn't no, know I didn't. it was Utah Jazz. No, no, he, he no, no, he doesn't play for the Jazz. Ah, uh, that sucks. Okay. <laughs> but I'm giving you no more. Let's go to the picks because I'm giving. I'm giving. What, a, what, what an absolute mind fuck here, Eddie. Like, but, did did the Lakers win? Did they not? Does he play for Utah Jazz? Does he not? God, my head's all yeah. spun around. Did he did he hit the game winning shot in the finals last year for the Lakers? We'll never know. <laughs> Someone but just so the audience is aware, we now have Sam's general knowledge 
of the NBA. I think I flew so, the NHL better than the NBA just <laughs> I think you did better in the NHL. But <laughs> let's go to the picks. So Sam the Squid, I'm going to read out the two teams. They're in no particular order, so don't try and guess the first team is the better team or anything like that. All right, first matchup, the Orlando Magic versus the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks. All right, Sam is going Bucks. All right, next one, the Toronto Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets. Nice bit of suspense there. Uh, the Raptors. How many games are All there? All right, next one. There are four series in each eight, conference. Eight in total, so you're, you're a quarter of the way through. Okay. Okay, just hold on. You're almost done, Sam the Squid. <laughs> Boston Celtics versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Why are they called the 76ers? Because 69 we'll get was into- taken. <laughs> We'll get into that after. <laughs> no more. No, stop. Stop trying to buy time while you frantic. What can I Google. buy time on? What can my hands? You can see them. What am I? Doing? Keep your hands in, in, on the screen and All just right. make your hands picks. Up. We didn't go through this in the NHL picks. You didn't go. Oh, why are they I called the Canadians? I, no, there was one point where I forgot the team name as well. So that could have been a delay. <laughs> um, the Celtics. Okay. Only reason being they're very famous. I, I know them. So that's all I would say. Indiana Pacers versus the Miami Heat. Heat. Okay. The Los Angeles Lakers versus the Portland Trail Blazers. <laughs> I'm going Lakers. The, the, I know LeBron James plays for the Lakers. So I'll go Lakers. Does he? That reason. Is he one of the four <laughs> players on the court? I guess I'm going to find out. Okay, the Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers. Okay. The Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go Utah Jazz. <laughs> Just, it could be the terrible pick. It could be a bluff. It could be a double bluff. But let's go Utah Jazz. Houston Rockets versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder. Okay. That completes oh. Sam the Squid's picks. We I only disagree say... on two series. They are, the, <laughs> they are the final two series that you chose. There was a moment there where I was like, you are going to pick the same eight teams that I chose, and this is going to be super boring. I will say again, Sam seems to be pretty good at picking picks. Well, this one's a little different because in this one, he will have at least had name recognition for, I would say, four of the teams that you chose. Maybe. Lakers, Celtics. I'm going to guess Heat. Because um, they remembered when the Heat were good. Who were they playing? Uh, the Heat are playing the Pacers. See, I know and the I, Pacers as well. Um, but I would probably say just from gambling i feel like you know and even then that was like five years ago or whatever but i feel like heat were usually the favorites in a game so i guess i'm just going on that i'll also say that the two the two series where we disagree are two of the more open series you did guarantee a win against me 
last time, actually. Well, I almost feel more confident given this situation because there's only two where I can be wrong, right? But um, it's true. But you did manage happen? to avoid. You did manage to avoid the series that you would consider to be non-contests. Which ones? Everything, are? While you would assume the Bucks against the Magic, if the if the Bucks lose that, so the Bucks are the one seed in the in the East. That's where the Greek freak plays. Um, I still don't actually know his name. Or Giannis Atomapunko, <laughs> however you say it. Um, uh, you, you have to have, we'll get Vasilis on, there, on here for uh, tips on how to properly pronounce his last name. What a terrible reason to come on a podcast. <laughs> well, only reason he'd ever make it on. He's, he's not good for much else. <laughs> I mean, literally, he might, even though he's Greek, he probably couldn't even help us with that. But then uh, the other ones, to be honest with you, the only other series where there's two other series actually that I think I'd be incredibly surprised if, if there was an upset. The Raptors against the Nets. Just because the Nets, the Raptors are, even though they're not star-studded, they're probably the best coach team in the NBA. They have a lot of very reliable players and the Nets just, I mean, talent wise are not that good. It's not easy when you're missing the only two superstars you have on, on your team. <laughs> yeah. And then the Lakers against the, the Blazers. I know everyone's really into the Blazers at the moment because Damian Lillard's been like the hottest thing since the NBA bubble restarted and everyone's really into seeing him hit three pointers from the logo and just putting up 50, 60 points, but fundamentally they can't play defense and they have no one who could guard LeBron James. They have no one who can guard Anthony Davis and there's just no way they're going to stop the Lakers from bulldozing them. Unless Lillard scores, Lillard will need to average 60 points in this series just for them to be competitive. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see it. But you did say they were the hottest thing since the bubble. I believe that belongs to the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> the Sun, yeah, except the Suns didn't manage to make the playoffs. <laughs> Shout out to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, the Suns, the Suns did manage to salvage their like, concept as a, as a team in the bubble. <laughs> they did kind of justify their existence as an NBA franchise. <laughs> Sounds good. No, legitimately. Up until yeah. that point, it was hard to really pick a positive about the Phoenix Suns. And then this was at least, I mean, it's still kind of hard. It's one of those things where I think people, you're viewing like a, an eight-game stretch and like, wow, look at the Suns. They could be, they could definitely be a contender next year. And next year will come around and they'll, they'll sort of, you know, win 34, 40 games and, and go out in the first round of the playoffs. And that optimism will go out of the window really fast. So the two we disagree on, um, and you say they're quite open, like what were the two games again? So we disagree on the Nuggets Jazz. So I chose the Nuggets and you took the Jazz. The Nuggets are the three seed in the West. The Jazz are the sixth seed in the West. Now that is the one game that has been completed so far and the Nuggets won game one. But it did go to overtime. So it's not as if they didn't sort of steamroll the the jazz in, in the first game. So there's reason to think, what is it, Frank? I can, I so what a know. surprise that you guys only disagree <laughs> in two series. And one of the two series is the only game that's finished. And did I make, Eddie is up one nothing. Can I, can I have clarification? Did I make my pick when the game was over? 
No, but you sent me Utah Jazz, but now you're telling us it's the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> oh, oh, no. These are the lengths you have to go to. <laughs> and my the other one we disagree on is the Rockets Thunder. And that's possible. It's maybe the most interesting series in a, in a lot of ways. So it's a four versus five from a seeding perspective. Uh, Russell Westbrook is injured. Thank God. Don't have to see that annoying bastard out there. But even That's even with so Westbrook annoying. out, I kind of just expect that Harden will score 40 a night and the Rockets will just be too efficient. The, the problem for the Thunder is in terms of an actual matchup, I don't think it's a very good matchup for them. They're kind of built to play against a more traditional traditional team and they have they have players that are just going to struggle to be on the court for any significant period of time. Even though they're going to struggle to get... You know, many ways, like Steven Adams is my favorite NBA player just because I think when he talks, he's, he's got a good sense of humor. I liked when they, they they interviewed him in the bubble and they kind of were talking about how other players were complaining about the living situation and how difficult it was to be stuck in a bubble. And he said, he's from New Zealand for context, Sam. And he said, well, we're living in a bloody resort. <laughs> he was kind of <laughs> downplay. Down he said, it's not Syria, mate. <laughs> it's kind of true right we were talking in that about that in the first couple of podcasts you know yeah, yeah people, how, how bad people. can being at disney world be and i mean that's going to be the interesting thing to play out how will this impact the t- this the series in any way the lakers haven't looked great since the since the restart they've probably been one of the teams that in terms of the players they lost have been most impacted um, by the bubble situation, but I still expect the Lakers to make the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers to make the Western Conference Finals. That will be a good series. I still think that that the Lakers are are too good for them over a seven game series. And then on the other side, you'd expect it to be Bucks Celtics. Now, personally, I think the Celtics can beat the Raptors, and then the Bucks in the in the finals. So Bucks so Lakers, Eddie, that's my prediction. Eddie, just two one seed. Just to fo- just to follow through, you've taken the favorite for all of them except the Heat series. Yes, yeah, yeah. I took okay. I took the favorite apart from the Heat, but I'm telling you now that I will pick one upset in round two. <laughs> so you're already future predicting when you win well, everything in this round. <laughs> <laughs> I guess same logic, right? I've picked myself into another shot. <laughs> you have, yeah, you have but picked I, yourself. I, you have, but I think it's gonna. Yeah, we can do that. But but yeah, I think you you know more about the NBA. You'll you'll be able to be you. And basically, if you stick to your same, assuming that we're right, if you stick to your same predictions, we would probably make the identical predictions in round two. <laughs> Chances are, though, I'll probably forget names. Like if I just did this truly and then forgot names, <laughs> like I wouldn't be surprised with my. We'll just we'll just memory. men in black your memory. Yeah, just it's also a little bit. It's a little bit harder to avoid. It's a little bit harder to avoid NBA content. Content, and also it's more likely that we speak about the NBA on the podcast between oh, that, now and round two. Well, that's all that's doing is helping me then. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else with the NBA? So that starts today, and that'll be going on 
this round could be all the way up to like the end of the month, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was some, why, why are they taking so long to play? I mean, that's what I like about the hockey is they're crushing through this. That's one of the pieces of news that came out um, today. Well, that a few media members have, have sort of broken is that they're going to try and make the playoffs go by faster. So traditionally what would happen is they have like a set day, like round two begins on day X. And now what they're going to do is say, like, let's look. Oh, if they finish early. Yeah. Say the Lakers sweep the Blazers and the Rockets sweep sweep the Thunder. They'll play round two. They won't wait for everything else. They'll just go ahead and play round two. But even I'm looking at the schedules now, every team has a day in between playing is, is, is basketball really that draining that you need another full day of recovery every game? I mean, even in hockey, they're playing back-to-back games. You know, like, I don't think you need to have a day off every time. It's a little much. I mean, yeah, sure. What do which we do I think is, Which do I think is the bigger physical toll, hockey or basketball? Probably hockey. That being said, you normally have a day off between playoff games. So if you switch to not having a day off, you'd be punishing older teams and there would be more reason to then have the asterisks. It'd be like in the Premier League being like, hey, there's only 12 matches left or whatever. Why don't we just play them every day? <laughs> Do you guys really play need three days? football game. <laughs> you really need three days? Yeah, exactly. We'll just, you, just, you get an unlimited subs and you just play nonstop. You know, like when you were at school and you used to do the five-a-sides where the teams would just swap at halftime and a new game exactly. would come. It would just be like that. So we we're starting off with Liverpool-West Ham and then 45 minutes in, it's Manchester United v Southampton. Yeah, just we non-stop. Blitzing this. Get, it, get the entire season done in an afternoon. Why not do that? That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, it would be pretty good. But the right, NBA, so gotta... obviously, the interesting thing is, right, they've, been, they've taken a ratings hit. So people are crushing the NBA. Everyone's saying they're, they're getting like all these shows on Fox or whatever, like Fox News is beating them on the ratings. And one, when you listen to certain aspects of the American media, the accusation is, well, it's because the NBA got political. And because they got political, people switched off. Was that Fox News saying that? That's one of the outlets, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is a little bit misleading. I think people, A, weren't, uh, it, kind of the NBA wasn't in their routine. The times that games were being played at totally changed. So you can't even, it's not even one of those things like, I get home from work and I watch an NBA game. Now I'll be like, oh, it's midway through the afternoon and there's an NBA game on. I didn't expect to watch that. Like it's hard to compare, you know, when you think of the fact that there was a playoff game played Monday afternoon to compare the ratings of that playoff game to a game that might have normally been played Monday night, it's impossible to be like, well, look, first game of the playoffs last year had higher ratings. It's just a stupid comparison. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is, I mean, hockey, I think, has had really good ratings since they've come back, but they've come back basically right into the playoffs, whereas the NBA has done this route of coming back into a weird renewal of a regular season where not all the teams went but some of the teams went and i just think when you're about to watch you know oh am i gonna watch playoff game no i'm gonna watch 
them kind of play, but not really play that hard because they haven't played in a really long time. You know, just like the intensity wasn't as good. They weren't taking it as seriously. So I think that's one of the reasons I like to see now that they're in the playoffs and it matters what I'm sure their ratings will pop back up. No, for sure. And for a lot of the good, very good teams, those eight games were meaningless. Like they had to win one or two maybe to confirm their seeding, but fundamentally it didn't matter. They knew they were going to get get the job done. However, the comparison to hockey is unfair because when you go from three people watching to four people watching, <laughs> it's, it's, wow, what a ratings, what a ratings surge here. See, it's very hypocritical for you to say that because you said the same thing about our podcast last week when we upped our, when we upped our downloads. So, well, so in that sense, yeah, well, it's good. From 50,000 50, to 50,000 and I'll one, put it yeah. this way. When we're a multi-billion dollar podcast, I won't be monitoring the daily downloads. <laughs> All right. So I've got a, a pretty fun one. I thought uh, I'd run by you guys. They just sent out an email yesterday uh, at our university for the intramurals they're going to play this fall because of everything that's going on they've kind of come up with like a creative list that people can still participate, but obviously social distance. So there's not going to be, you know, flag football or um, kickball, some of the bigger ones that we used to have. So I'm going to run down the ones that they are offering in person. And you tell me who wins out of the three of us. The first okay. one is an easy one. Not me and any of these. <laughs> no, no, no. They're different. They're not what you think they are. So first one, eight ball pool. Oh, actually, I'd, I I have never Sam. played. Yeah, I've never played. I pick Sam with Frank, but I, I have played English and American pool. Yeah, I will say now, I have the track record of taking down Eddie. Hold on a second. We fought a very hotly contested series. <laughs> At one point, I was up thirteen to three in the series. Yeah, what was and what did the series end up? 13 to 5? No, <laughs> no, you asshole. You absolute asshole. No way. You were demolished pretty bad there. Okay. Waffled, oh, one would say. I, Waffled. All right, so you know me, Frank. Do you think you'd beat me? I have, I would say no. You have the look about you that you can, you know your way around the pool table. Um, if there's one thing everyone always says about Sam is he loves a stick in his hand. Brilliant. So, <laughs> is that you want a podcast kind of thing now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I used to play at a pool club um, nearby when I worked yeah. in London Bridge, um, but that, that was more English that wasn't, than it that was. That wasn't a pool club. <laughs> it, 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 it really was. No, he got he got the word pool and and baths confused. Yeah, you, you <laughs> it was were a like, men's bath it's house. so con- <laughs> it's so convenient when you go when you go to the when you go to the toilet with your with your pool cue there's this little hole for you to store it in while you pee <laughs> it's pretty good all right my silence, so, my yeah. silence isn't justification or allowance of that joke you dick <laughs> and anyway how would you get a pool house and a bathhouse confused when you actually go in there why would wow, you play it's pool? Oh, oh i'm trying to play pool in here but i'm so sweaty oh. it's just about getting you in the door it's, it's, you know, uh, okay, so it's a misleading. Do. It's misleading yeah. at the front, but then the yeah. cloth would peel off. It's, it would be stupid. It's, it's a bad Google Translate on the door. All right, next one. So I'll give the. I think I'd give that one to you, Sam. 
Cheers, mate. Next one, badminton singles. I would love to see Eddie play badminton. Kind of oh, in the I'm all myself. With I'm the all whites, really short shorts. I'm picking high myself up, and it's not even. Really high white socks. <laughs> well, I don't know why I had to put that outfit on, but... No, you do, because it's English badminton. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm picking myself very confidently there. Are you picking yourself very confidently just because of your tennis skills or because you actually have a track record with badminton as well? Well, mainly tennis skills. On top of that, I played a decent amount of badminton, never competitive badminton, but like quite a lot of badminton. We had to play it in PE a lot and stuff in school. I'm an all right badminton player. I, the only thing I could give you there, Frank, is I used to play a lot of squash. Yeah. Better, closer think- on the wristiness, but, and I actually did try out for the badminton team at university. Because I lived on the same one of the guy who lived on my lived on my floors was on the badminton team, so he just convinced me to go around to the badminton tryouts. Didn't go well. You, you played <laughs> you played for the American football team as well, but basically was no, the story no, that's wasn't a, the story no, no, no. saying like you just turned up and they were like you're good. <laughs> no, that you're... that was different. That was again because of someone I lived with because that's when I lived with Sam, the another Sam, who was on the team, and then they had like an open practice and he kept encouraging me to come along and I came along once and played quarterback for them because all of their quarterbacks were injured and I'm not, I'm not claiming to be for the pocket there. (laughs) I'm not claiming to be an incredible quarterback, but I was a significant enough upgrade that they instantly wanted me to hang around to be quarterback on their team. (laughs) And that is more a reflection of the quality of English university, American football than it is an indication of my ability as, an, as a quarterback. Yeah, that's kind of scary. All right, I'm going <laughs> to give it to you. I'm going to give it to Eddie because he's told me about badminton and I rarely play it. So I don't know about your I would, I mean, skills. the only oh, Frank, time we played Frank it, loses. Frank loses. Yeah. We, the only time we ever played was in PE. The only thing I have a chance maybe is I make Eddie run around the court a lot and his little short shorts get wedged up in there and he gets all sweaty like a bear and then he just passes out that's my option that's my chance to win he's just it's quite one of those white pe vests (laughs) it's quite the image and i wish that the next time i hear like a professional athlete speak they also gonna describe their hopes going into the match that way like hey uh hey like uh milos raunich what do you think your chances are in the wimbledon final against roger federer like well not a lot but maybe if i make him run around and he gets a massive wedgie and passes out maybe i've got a chance then No, I, I'm. It, it, I'm going to say Eddie, both for the outfit and the skill. Thank you. Okay. Next one, cornhole. Explain. Or otherwise known as bags. <laughs> Ex- further explain. It's, it's right, a so game it's... where you toss like a sandbag into a sloped. Uh, it's like a sloped board. Oh yeah. And there's yeah, the yeah, hole. yeah. You've definitely seen it. I've but... seen it like fates and village fates and all that kind of stuff. Or I fairs. would say Frank because he's definitely played more than any of us. He's frequent. That being said, I'd, <laughs> I'd give myself a fighting chance. I would eventually give Sam a fighting chance, but given that he's actually never played it, I think. I mean, it's that, throwing that, a bag a... in a hole. It can't be. Yeah, no, you have hand-eye coordination, but. It's still a learning curve there. So I would make you You have to throw underarm, don't you? You'd be underdog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But 
I would say Frank, just because you've definitely played the most and probably played the most recently. Yeah, I think I'd be pretty confident going into this one. So w- I've played a, I've played a decent amount. It's it's pretty big in Arizona, especially when we go up north into the mountains uh, to visit family. It's kind of like all they do is up there is play cornhole. They have like huge tournaments. So oh. I've I've played a decent amount. I'm pretty confident in that one. Also, Sam would get confused. He'd turn up and he'd be like, "This reminds me of my <laughs> one, pool club. This reminds me of one my pool club. a podcast. So this is this would... is a big hole for me to stash my cue in. <laughs> this isn't my bathhouse. <laughs> oh, right, guys, next... thanks for making me feel at home. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. Next one, horse. Okay. Oh. Um. Same, not too dissimilar. Yeah, so it's definitely between the two of us. We've played basketball <laughs> together. Neither one of us are exactly Steph Curry. So <laughs> I would say... But, I mean, but We did nickname ourselves the Splash Brothers, but yeah. not, not on oh, the basketball oh. court. <laughs> I would in the gay, say in the gay a, bars, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a 50-50 toss-up between the two of yeah. us. Yeah. It's just whoever gets more lucky on the day, yeah. basically. There's not all much I will skill say there. Is, all I will say is I have more recently probably played a bit of basketball, yeah. and my shot was coming back in the Paris pickup league. So, so I'm Frank. Would you have a counter argument to that before I make my decision on who is better out of both of you? No, I mean I honestly haven't played basketball in a really long time. I would say when we played together, we were basically at the same level like there was no one that was like a better shooter or anything like that but yeah i'd say it's a toss-up eddie gets it then (laughs) yeah i asked for an an argument for your skill that's a solid that's a solid (laughs) we gotta pick a winner so sam as a neutral that was that was a solid decision okay i got a good one here so now i think we even do this one both ways the um, penalty kick tournament. Ah. Uh, oh wait! Oh wait! I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like this. It's the penalty penalty kick tournament. The winner would be you'd have to play both positions to be a winner. So it's not like you're the winner of the of like taking the penalty versus being the keeper. It's all together. You would probably have to do it matchup style, wouldn't you? Uh, you'd have to do Frank v Sam, and they would alternate me v Eddie, Eddie v Frank. Yeah, and then ultimately you like, probably I like just that went, I like that you went third person there for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we understood, Sam. <laughs> What's it like that complicated of a scenario? <laughs> I'm pretty confident this one. Eddie wins. I'm gonna say me. Wow. I mean, I'm ruling. I'm ruling Frank out of this one immediately because I've seen Frank kick a ball before. And Not good. Yeah, so I don't even know how. Even so if he, I really don't even if it. he could save something there's a chance he wouldn't score at all. So what I, did play, <laughs> I did play a fearless goalie in our indoor league when we used to play on whatever day that was, on Tuesday. Yeah, in Paris. And you played even in the seven-a-side. I was fearless. <laughs> in the seven-a-side league we played in, you played in, you played in goal then as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean maybe. But I have no chance Yeah, maybe on the other you make end. a save or two, but yeah, you're not, you're yeah. not going to win. Uh, between no. me and Sam, historically, and when Sam and I did used to play together in university, Sam was the goalkeeper. So he probably has the goalkeeping edge. I would Ooh. say I've got the finishing edge, though. So I would call it another toss-up because it's a penalty shootout anyway, so there's an element of just guess the right way on the right moment, even if it's a good penalty and even if you're a bad goalkeeper. 
anything can happen. Out of the two of you, who's got the better chance to pull a Sterling? <laughs> I'd say both of us. Yeah, either one of us <laughs> could pull that off. Um, I would probably say, I'd probably say Eddie's got more power behind a shot, but I would say because I'm left-footed, that can sometimes throw people off a little bit more. I'm also left-footed, Sam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm giving myself the yeah, edge because I, guess, I could remember I, I could remember that. that Sam was left-footed and he couldn't remember that Come. I'm left-footed. So <laughs> I've got I've when I when I step up and I bring my iPad out so I can be like where is Sam most likely to shoot? My data would be reliable, whereas Sam would be like, "Oh, this is the right footer's definitely going." Whilst you're right. looking at the iPad, I just <laughs> rolled it into the net. <laughs> All right, next one is. I think this might be a debated one. I just don't, I don't know for sure, but ping pong, otherwise known as table tennis. I'm going to say, I don't think that I have the edge in most of our like head to head athletic competitions. There would be a lot in which either one of you would be ahead of me. Ping pong is again, one, unless someone's going to break some news to me on this one. It again plays into my tennis past to a degree. And on top of that, I spent two years of my life, working for a company with a ping pong table where I literally played ping pong for two hours a day. Hash up, hashtag startup life. <laughs> Living the dream. Well, I've played Eddie in ping pong and he knows I'm not good. I've only probably played a handful of times in my entire life. I've never so seen I'm Sam out. play. I've never seen that's, Sam play ping pong. So that's the wild card. Is huh. Sam like a, like a secret huh. ping pong player? Uh, it's not no 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 <laughs> like no I, i've, I've <laughs> right. played it to a a very recreational level when there's a ping pong table i wouldn't say two hours a day is anywhere i would compete with i was basically professional i mean you could argue yeah. that i was in a way you could argue i was being paid to play ping pong on balance of on balance of work versus <laughs> ping pong on the average day there was more ping pong than work so that's where we go. We said, would we have a professional athlete as part of the podcast? I'm going to say now, former professional ping pong player. <laughs> All right. There's two more. The one we'll just toss Eddie's way is tennis singles. I think we can pretty much hand that one to Eddie. Yeah, I'll be tremendously upset if I lose that. All right. The last one is spike ball. Oh. Uh, Sam, do you know what spike ball is? No. It's this like uh, it's the, uh, a mini a trampoline. Kind of, yeah. Like think and of like a one person trampoline on and you smack a ball down and the other person's got to like run and you have two hits to, or I don't know if it's two hits. You have a few hits to like hit it back onto the trampoline. If and it's you go 2v2, until it's it lands. two hits. Yeah. It's kind of like a mix of uh, say volleyball, like volleyball. With, with a trampoline. <laughs> with yeah, a trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I would say I would rather see volleyball with trampolines now. (laughs) I would say Frank is the favorite for this one. Yeah, I think I have the hand eye and the the quickness to do it. The only thing is I've actually never played. I see it all the time, but I've just never never really played it. So I don't think any of us have played it. So maybe one of us would be secretly naturally talented at it, but my if I had to pick a favorite, you're the favorite. We should definitely play this one. This would be a good one for the three of us to play next time we're together. All right. So that's all the in-person. They also have virtual offerings of video games. 
Oh, I'm going to read you it. the list. Oh, no, we're gonna, no, no. There's going to be a few. No, no. If you're going to bring up. You're going to bring up a debate that has raged for 15 <laughs> years. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but if it comes up, I am conclusively the better player. If this game comes up, I am conclusively the Before better player. Before I read the games, what I want you to do is out of all the ones I read, what is the one that you choose that you're most confident that you would okay. win in? That's a better way to go one by one against okay. against the, one? the other two people here, right? No, against well, like against like anyone. Like <laughs> well, against like the student body, basically. Okay. Okay. The University of Arizona. I've... Yes, if you want to be that specific, then yeah. Well, yes. it changes it, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. It okay. Okay. Oh. Sorry, because a more generic student body would have been better. <laughs> well, no, because if, if, if it's suddenly a random English university I'm thinking of and Madden pops up, I'm way more confident with Madden. All right. Okay. okay. So we're talking about the University of Arizona student body versus us three. And we have to pick one of these games. One of these games. Okay. Now, okay. there's one in here, Eddie, that I think might throw a curveball to you because I don't know if it's really a game or not. Is it GI yeah, okay. Jockey? No. <laughs> All right. First one, Fortnite. Second one, Madden 21. Next one, NBA 2K21. Next one, Virtual Trivia Night. Next one, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Next one, Rocket League. And the last one, FIFA 21. I dare you. I dare you. I mean, for me, it's um, FIFA. Yeah, honestly, for me, it's FIFA too. <laughs> Not the virtual <laughs> trivia night. The virtual trivia night, I'd feel good about. I would feel confident. I mean, there's a couple there where I would feel pretty Madden. confident I could win. Like Madden, I would feel good about too. But <laughs> I honestly think FIFA, if I'm playing a random player, FIFA is so, like the most chance of winning. Okay. So you both choose FIFA, and look at that. You guys have made it to the finals against each other <laughs> at the University of Arizona. Sam. Who is winning that matchup? This is... No, 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 no. I, I win more often than not. Sam, so I just want to give... This is, a, this is a debate that has <laughs> raged, and I mean raged, for 15 years, where we do an annual FIFA league, for example, where a few of us... We schedule matches. We put an Excel spreadsheet together with fixtures. We put together a league table. Obviously, before we lived together, it was a way easier then. But now they went even from across the world playing the games. And so Sam consistently gets the upper hand against me. If we play, say, when we play on a version of FIFA, I would say Sam ends up winning about 60% of the games. Factoring in, there's draws there, too. Sam, you, you Sam think is you, that fair? Hold 60? on. You think it's, you... No, 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 no. You think factoring in draws? Yes. Wait, what percentage do you think I win? I would probably say I win three or five. <laughs> so then there's one draw? So you say I that win is 20. 60% in fairness. But that is 60%. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm saying... Draw. No, but I guess I'm saying <laughs> a draw. But then again, you and I don't draw we do extra time and penalties. i'm factoring in draws 90 so if i'm not factoring in okay draws, so i'd say i win three or four 
Wait, what? So you bumped not, yourself? Not factoring in draws. Yeah. You, because I'm not factoring in. Of the, I, I would say I win 75% of the time. That's ridiculous. Okay. 75's weight. You're giving yourself. But anyway, to even go into one, ignore this aspect of the debate. There is a second aspect. <laughs> ignore, of the ignore the win rate over 15 years aspect. Because there is also a stylistic debate. No, that goes no on there here, isn't. No, there which isn't. is that Sam is defensive and fouls and then waits to get a score on the break, whereas I commit myself to attacking beautiful football. I defend, soak up pressure, and counter very well. So that's, imagine, that's what imagine I this, is, this is Leon over here chirping at Manchester City, being like 3-1, 3-1, 3-1, better team. This is, this is what I've had to live with with Sam for 15 <laughs> years. And his argument is, if I've done it over 15 years, it can't just be luck. Well, that's kind hear all of time. true, right? That's kind of true, think. right? <laughs> like, that was one of the worst Sam impressions I've heard in a really long sorry, time. Let me give you a better Sam impression. <laughs> <laughs> Did I nail that one? He is so bitter about this. <laughs> wow, he's pulling out the cheap I tricks. I know, it's so cheap. Bitter. It's so cheap. It's so bad. No, but I, anyway. I, the, wait, wait, wait. Sam has a chance to counter-argue against... No, I've listened to argument. This years. has happened over 15 years. And he has already acknowledged, regardless of the draw situation or not, he has acknowledged that I win more games than him. All I can say is this. I will throw, I will throw down a challenge. FIFA 21 is not that far away from coming out. I am happy that we relaunch our FIFA challenge and that the FIFA results are documented through the podcast. Not obviously a match-by-match score update, but as in percentage win rate gets updated on a weekly basis <laughs> over the course of the season. Let's, let's say monthly. We don't need to Okay, monthly. I'll take a monthly. Well, I'm actually tempted to not buy the game this year. <laughs> you see, that's, this wow. is the other aspect. You see, this is wow. the reason why he, this is the reason because he's afraid. I'm because afraid. now he, he realizes that, that all his arguments, wow. his years of falling back on, Unproven data would go out of the window. Unproven data. <laughs> well, because it's no, just speculative, I'm right? No, I'm not having him. Because what he's also he, failing, what he's also failing to throw in, for example, is that we play in this league, right? This round robin that hasn't happened in about six or so years, but that's fine. Two years, but we play in this two years, but we play in this round robin league, or historically have played in this round robin league, and within that league whoever Jake's there's three it. of us there's three of us who consistently win a league season of which sam and i are two of them and so while sam might fare better against me he for example doesn't fare as well against ollie as i fare against ollie so it's difficult to go on the argument of like i am the, i'm the better player if he then loses to someone who i consistently beat but jake I would say you have a harder time against Jake. And I don't I, have a harder I, time I against Jake. I take pity Jake. on Jake. I take pity I on take Jake. And unlike the rest of you Jake. animals, unlike the rest of you animals who are just willing to, to beat this disabled child into the ground on FIFA, <laughs> I like to throw him a bone every once in a while and allow him to win a match. Oh, okay. It, it, makes, it makes his week. It makes, yeah. that, oh, makes it him makes smile his, no, so no, no, much. No, yeah. no, no, no. Listen. Sometimes when we start restart this thing, he won't win a FIFA match for like his first 50 matches. And that's not an exaggeration. And when he does finally wow. win, it doesn't just make his week. It might make his year. It might be the only thing that keeps <laughs> him ticking along. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I just remember going into his room once and just seeing the noose ready. <laughs> but it's okay, because he beat you at FIFA. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's how much it means to him. Oh, uh, no. Uh, that would, but they, the best thing about Jake during FIFA, honestly, and Eddie and I will hands down say this, is Jake's ability to smack furniture at an inconvenient point in the game was one of the best things well, particularly about my university. It's it was table. a wooden he table. He nearly destroyed our living room table. If it hadn't been such a solid piece of wood, every time he conceded a goal, he, I mean, the fact that he didn't break the table and never broke his hand both things are stunning. Stunning and brave. <laughs> but anyway, Sam, is this you? Did you turn down my, my challenge? No, I just don't want to spend 60 quid on a game that I just don't think really kind of adds so, anything new. So uh, 60 Sam, pounds of... Oh, do you know what? Do you have I FIFA would, 20? Would rather, yeah, I would rather just do it with the older game. Okay, and that's, also, fine. that's fine. I don't need 21 to beat you. Okay. Sam is start. pulling the Jerry Seinfeld. He's choosing not to run. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I choose not to run. Oh, and actually, perfect segue. I have one more thing for you guys. You Speaking of running, did you see that the 5,000-meter world record was broken in Monaco this weekend? No. It held no. For si- <laughs> well, it, it held for 16 years. It was like a pretty strong record in track and field by... Uh, a guy named Cheptege from Uganda. I want you guys to guess what you think the time was. Oh. So it's 5,000 meters. It's 3.1 miles. What do you think the final time was? What's an average mile run? Like final time miles? of his world record? Yeah, yeah. Like what, what was the world record time that he ran? 3.1 miles. What do people run? Like a seven-minute mile? You run a seven-minute mile. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I've got no concept. Wow, of you, you, just, you, just, you just wound out the clock to about 1712. <laughs> um, okay, so how quickly do people run a mile out of interest? Do you want to know like the world record in a mile? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I'll be good. It's under four minutes. Yeah, I mean... We broke the four-minute barrier. So three, in the 60s or fifties yeah. even. So, but that's a one mile. That's someone running it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, if you go gotcha, a bit further, gotcha. you tire out. I mean, think of it this way: so 400 meters, I think they run in like the 43-ish second for 40, I, I, 40, 400 meters. So, say if you're running over a longer distance, maybe he's running a 50-second 400 meter over the course of the. I'm just he's running my logic. 12, 12 laps at how, how quick did you say? 50. I mean, he's running six minutes at 3.1, if that's the case. I'm going to go like 13 minutes. Okay, Sam 13 says 13 and a half. Minutes. 13.5. So 30 minutes, 30 seconds. Oh, 13 minutes, 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Eddie, do you have a, a guess? Well, my. So my, my thought of 50 seconds would make him run a 10 minute 42, 5,000 meters. That seems too quick. I'll go. I know what you're going to do. You're going to go 1331. <laughs> what did you say? Again? It's not Price is Right. I, yeah, I said 1330. <laughs> I'll go 1242. 
I'll give I'll add two minutes of error onto my calculation. Okay. The time ran was twelve minutes thirty-five seconds. Wow. Eddie's the winner. What was the so old it, world it, record? Maybe I was I was thinking of the old one. Twelve thirty-seven <laughs> or twelve thirty-eight, I think it was. <laughs> you, you dick. <laughs> of course. So it came out to he ran four minute, three second mile splits, basically. Was it all downhill? What? Pretty impressive. Oh, four minute, three second miles. Yeah, yeah. Not, I, I, not, I, there's no easy way to say that. Yeah, no, it's like wait, four oh three three second mile splits. <laughs> I can't say four oh three because that doesn't really sound right. Yeah. Okay. So then yeah, that begs the question could you run half of that in that time? If you line up with him and he says, okay, I'll do double what you do, can you beat him? Do I get to train? Yeah, am I allowed to tra- How? What training am I allowed no. beforehand? So I've just no, got this to is turn like, up. After he, a, he knocks after on your door right or, now. Or, okay. okay. He says, come to Wembley. I've set up the track. I, I meant Wembley. Oh, stadium. I was like, oh, shit, that's convenient. <laughs> wow, what a moron. How do I lose to this moron in FIFA? Because <laughs> you're not very good at it. Sam's like, oh wow, he's actually at Wembley Stadium. Well, I maybe I will do this. Well. So, I, so what are we saying? So it's twenty five hundred meters in so about seven hundred and fifty seven seconds. So you're running about an eight minute and then a four minute half mile, an eight minute mile and then a four minute half mile. That would win it. What's on the line for me? <sighs> Nationally just, televised event. Okay, so just not embarrassing myself. This is the only yeah. just not having a professional athlete being like I'm twice as fast as yeah. you. But you have to wear the badminton short shorts <laughs> and the white vest. <laughs> I, I would like to think I could do it. Yeah, I I mean I think I could run an eight minute and a four minute. Yeah, I mean I would. With minimal training, I would feel very confident. If you gave me like a month to prep. But, w- yeah. but with no training. But no, with, with no training. Minimal, with with no training, I still think I could do it. I mean, he's turning up. So you've also got to factor <laughs> in the possibility that he's turning up on like a Saturday night. Well, <laughs> this saying. way, he's probably not running his world record pace. So I'm probably getting like three or four more seconds. And that might matter. Which would put you right at your 1242. Yeah, exactly. And I, that, I thought that because that's what I run the 5,000 meters <laughs> in, so... um i'd like to think i could do it yeah yeah i'll be interested i'll test myself i'll test i'll go see how quickly i can run a mile and see current situation what can i run a mile in yeah i I would i would like to see that data (laughs) i mean it's not that fast an eight minute mile is not fast that means you're running two two minutes a lap yeah, I mean, even if you committed to the sprinting, walking, sprinting, walking technique, <laughs> you might you might be able to get yourself there. It no, would, if this were nationally televised, it, it would make for a very interesting... Just, just, the, just holding your sides like... <gasps> it wouldn't look respectable, but it might get the job done. It would be so funny to watch on live TV this, this 
5,000 meter runner, just so smooth around the track. And here comes Eddie sprinting 150 meters Sprint. and then falling down for oh, 20 just to seconds. Be clear. Just to be clear, if I was following the sprinting running track, it would be like sprint 50 meters, walk 50, sprint 50, walk 50, sprint 50. That's what I would commit myself to. Oh, that would be so funny to watch for a mile and a half. Well, with the goal maybe being final 200 meters, I could go into just a full-on sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Get that mindset. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sprint at some point. <laughs> I'm actually going <laughs> to compete like an adult at some point. Oh, that's funny. Are you running at the same time? Can you, can you block him? Yeah, I can just tackle him. He didn't throw that... <laughs> No interference through. allowed. Well, what if I what if I do like Dembele? What if I just inadvertently trip him and then maybe follow that up by inadvertently stepping on his knees? <laughs> if you stepped on his knees, careful. you would snap him in half. Yeah, exactly. careful. Lifting up your leg like that might rip your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Good point. Don't underestimate your short shorts. I run very well in the short shorts. Talking about teams being wasteful really quickly, though, did you see Man, City, uh, Man U in their two Europa League games had about 46 shots on goal and they scored two penalties? That's yeah. a I mean, wasteful yes. example. That's wasteful if you've ever heard it, right? Yeah, I mean, and there's an element of bad luck in it at times with them. I know against Copenhagen, they hit the woodwork sort of three or four times. Yesterday, yesterday though, there was that start of the second half. They must have had four or five really good chances in about 10 minutes. And you just knew once they didn't score that they were going to lose. It was just, yeah. you know, when you're watching a football match and there's that kind of, oh gosh, you were so dominant and you didn't score. And this is actually quite an even contest overall. Mm. You know, you're done for. Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, Celtic are back in action tomorrow, I believe, in a Champions League qualifier. So we've got right, that so one real, to look forward to. Real quick, me run, run down, real quick, me, real quickly, run me down the Champions League semis and Europa final. So one what semifinal are, are is one semifinal, the first one, which is tomorrow, is uh, Leipzig against PSG. Okay. Um, so obviously, I actually think PSG are pretty comfortable favorites. Uh, I think Leipzig without Timo Werner, it's just not quite the same team. Mbappe's confirmed fit as well, so I'd go PSG for that reason. He's probably yeah, going to yeah. start. So. Same. And then Wednesday you have Bayern Munich against Lyon. And if Lyon pull this up, I'm going to once again say I expect Bayern Munich to beat Lyon comfortably. If Lyon managed to pull this off again, like all credit to them, but Bayern Munich, based on, I mean, Bayern Munich have won, I believe, 19 matches in a row in all competitions. So to think that this kind of machine is going to come to a grinding halt against Lyon would surprise me. So what would you say, Lyon plus four? I, I was going to certainly... ask Sam, what would, you, what, what, what would you need to double up your Peroni and a Calamari bet? What, what's the double up worth though? Do I just get double the amount of calamari and a bigger Peroni? And two pints of Peroni. Two pints. I'll throw wow. in some gelato for you. 
Wow, you'd be a brave man. Um, I w- I'd probably say because I'm I'm so sure Bayern will win this game pretty comfortably. You'd pro- I'd probably have to say plus three and a half. So Bayern yeah, by four is what I'm that's saying. Too, that's too high for me to yeah risk some, to risk some gelato high. on. I mean, you've that's just had a high. team. You've just had a team that's like spanked Chelsea in both legs, smashed Barcelona 8-2. Like they can score no, a lot of goals. So I think, honestly, I would probably say 4-0 is actually a score that I'd probably guess if you were going to give me a correct score. You're 100% right. I don't disagree with you on that. But you also, if you were to actually try and bet on that, you would just think Bayern Munich could be 3-0 up and basically go into cruise control. We have a final coming up. So let's make some subs and just pass the ball around for the remaining 20 30 minutes which they obviously didn't do against barcelona that being said barcelona mentally checked out of that match and i don't even think bayern munich were really even trying to score for the final sort of three goals it was just a case of the fact that barcelona allowed them to just walk through them so the but what is what is bayern munich right now Oh, odds wise, I think the odds are one, basically one identical, identical to, to what City were going into the City Leon match. I one think they're five. a little bit. I think they're a little bit more favorite than I think City are about one to three. No, um, no, City so at I, kick, City at kickoff were one to five. Oh wow, City were one to four for most of the week, and then they were two to nine so the day before. But at kickoff, they were one to five. So I would be pretty confident. Bayern minus one point five. Minus one point five, sure. Yeah, I'd say. I'd probably take 2.5. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. I mean, Bayern minus two are 11 to eight. So you've got to think 2.5 is probably, what, 13 to eight? I would... I think that's a good bet, personally. What, minus two or 2.5? Minus 2.5 is 2.2. So what's that? It's about 13 to eight, I think. Maybe... It's yeah. not bad. I would. I wouldn't personally do it, but it, I could. I could. I could understand someone doing it for sure. And then the final of the Europa League is Inter Milan against Sevilla. We got it half right, right there. Inter. You'd have to think yeah, Inter. Have At the same time, Sevilla are just one of these tried and tested European Cup sort of knockout specialists, especially the Europa League or its predecessor, the UEFA Cup, is their competition. They've won it so many times. So, you, the, actually, not that that matters. It doesn't matter that you won the competition 12 years ago, it makes you more likely to win it this year. But they definitely do. And you saw it against Manchester United in a way that A, they know how to hang in a match, even when they're not on top, which they did against Manchester United for a while. B, they weren't up, you know, Manchester United took the lead after eight minutes or whatever it was. It'd be really easy for heads to drop, and they didn't. And then also, once they took the lead, they just killed that match off. They just kept possession. They sort of just sucked the life out of Manchester United. So if they do get ahead in the final, you just know they'll pass the ball around, play really slow play. So, but yeah, I think Inter Milan. I kind of like the over two and a half on that as well. In the Inter Milan Sevilla one? Yeah. You're a bold person to see an Italian team in a in a cup final and go over two point five, but you never know. Well, Inter can score, and Sevilla usually at least put one up. But yeah, I, I think I would just stick with Inter though. Okay, so that when is that match? By the way, I think the final um, Friday. 
Yeah, the finals Friday, and then the Champions League final is Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So I see a nice bet right here. We can PSG, do more. PSG. Yeah. PSG. Bayern Munich minus one point five. Inter to win, and then throw in Gaeth. Mogul. Stay away from Gaeth personally. Don't stay no away. Way. I think that's good. Don't guy. stay away from no. Gaeth, Eddie. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the races at York, the Ebor Festival. Yeah. The first day you have Gaeth racing in the Judmont International. And I race. think it's a great value pick. All he's got to beat is Magical. And I love Magical. Huge fan. Oh, Lord yeah, North. Let's not forget. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Also, let's not forget. Hold on, hold on. Talking about, at least I'm consistent. When Enable was racing against Magical, you were all over Magical, 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 Magical. Hey. Now we're getting... You're right. Because I don't think Enable's that great. This wow. is how good I think Gaeth is. <laughs> God, I, I wouldn't have backed it for a whole 10 pounds. I see, I... Whilst I agree with Frank's optimism on the horse, I, I would actually say that Lord North looks like a good secondary bet. Like, the horse has won, what, three really good races, and each of one has improved pretty markedly. Yep. So I'm going to go with Gaeth, but... And Magical, when it skipped the Enable contest and then it raced in Ireland instead, it looked good in Ireland. Look, Gaeth, if it gets its front-running role and it's untouched and it gets to run its race and conditions are right, sure. I'm not doubting Gaia's ability on top form. I'm just no. I just am not yet convinced that this season's Gaieth is going to be Mr. Dependable in a way that previous seasons Gaieth were not. So who are you tipping oh, up miss, in the race? You're going to you're you're miss out on a great opportunity to double your money, Eddie. To be honest with you, it wouldn't be a race I would bet on. If I had to make a pick, I would just see more value in Magical. Not Japan. <laughs> Japan's not. Oh. <laughs> I would. I would rather bet on magical dragging Japan's corpse around the track <laughs> than Japan winning <laughs> under its own own energy. Wow! So right now, Gaeth is eleven to eight, and basically every other horse, well, besides Rose of Kildare, um, Kamiko or Kameko, Lord North, and Magical are all four to one. It's good. It's a good, it's a good race, but yeah, I, I, can't, mean, I can't see is, why. Kamiko is also a great horse too. Kamiko yeah. an interesting one too because, you know, everything coming out from that camp is total confidence. Mm. And oh yeah, I mean, they're still saying they would have won that race. So I mean, the camp still says if they weren't blocked, we win that race, without a doubt. Which, debatable, but yeah, I can't go against Gaia. I I just I can't see a horse in there that will stop no. guys doing it the field's small enough as well to help him out so i uh, wrong sam do you know the st- horse in there that's going to stop guy doing its thing yeah pan it's guy it's like you put a mirror in front of guy and be like this is your biggest opponent pre-race just pre-race i'll just go i'll go into the paddock and just <laughs> give it the eyes everyone's everyone's raving about guy as well like charlie appleby and all that oh, say really everyone. good things too not me not Eddie. Okay. As long as Eddie's not. But what you'll do is you'll see its odd drop if it runs well for the arc. That twenty five to one looks better value. Well the arc betting yep. the arc betting had a shake up over the weekend too. Anyway. I mean before we maybe talk about the other Ebor uh festival races. So what do we got? Yeah, there, Eddie? Were, 
there were, there were the two races, Mishrif and uh, Sotsas both ran at, at the weekend and has kind of changed their future in the arc. Mishrif is now third favorite into eight to one now. So Gaeth is right behind it at nine to one. So perhaps if Gaeth wins on, you know, this week, you'll see Gaeth move back to, to third favorite. But then Sotsas seemed to have raced itself completely out of the racing for the arc. And I have to admit, if you recall, I'll throw myself under the bus on this one. A couple of weeks ago, I said if I had to pick an outsider to win the arc, it would have been Sotsas. And based on that, based on the weekend, <laughs> I want to withdraw that prediction, please, because it did not look like a horse that could win the arc. That being said, if in October it goes on to win the arc, I did predict he still that it would said do so. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah and then the other so- the other two big horses racing at the weekend, I guess. I mean, there's a number of really good races at the Ebor Festival, but the ones of most interest are Love especially when we're talking about the Ark, who's heavily odds on. And yep. then also Batash, who's Batash. also heavily odds on with no Ark implications, <laughs> apart from the fact that we'll likely be racing on Ark Day. But uh... I have to say, I mean, I'm the biggest Batash fan, but at one to two, there's not that much value, especially we always talk about with sprint races. You never know it's a sprint race sometimes. Well, weird, weird, weird shit happens. It was and, one to it was one to four. Goodwood. Yeah, but good, Goodwood, there promise, was nothing in it. I, I promise you, on its SP will be shorter than one to two. Yeah, you're right. You snap up one I, to do now. It will be I, one to three, one to four on on the day. So my only worry is actually the wesley ward horse it's not there it's, getting... it's not racing yeah it is no it's not it's still up golden pal's wesley... not racing no wesley ward said today that golden pal would not be racing in the nunthorpe oh all right now i'm all in a batash i think the only thing with batash to think about though is the, the straight course at york um i think there's a heavy bias to high numbers so you'd want to know where batash is drawn um maybe as well but. Well, except you do have to factor in. There's a, I mean, there's what nine horses declared at the moment. It means that there's probably going to be seven horses in the race. So you lose a little bit of the draw bias when you have just what will be a relatively small field. Yeah, but it it, it just comes down less. to it again with Batash. If any of these horses beat it, it would be a tremendous surprise. I don't think one to two actually represents the surprise that there would be if Batash lost. Yeah, I mean, well, the only thing I was nervous about was if you had a two-year-old horse in there like Wesley Ward's horse because they get tons of uh, weight allowance. But if that's not in there, I mean, the next best horse is maybe either Art Power or Al-Ali or whatever. I mean, Art Power is the only one. Those are the only two horses under uh, 10 to 1. So. Yeah, I mean, they're decent, but... No, nowhere near a Batash level. I mean, the thing with Batash, it shows it. The thing that hurt Batash as, as being reliable was, you know, is now going back a couple of years. Since then, it it's turned into this, it kind of copy-pastes its performances almost. And when yeah. you then throw in, it doesn't kill you in the final two furlongs. It kills you like furlong two and furlong three, where the cruising speed is just so fast. So and you good. see you see all of these other horses suddenly being hev- like heavily ridden two furlongs into a five, five furlong race 
because <laughs> Batash is just moving at a speed that they cannot move at normally. Yeah. And so it's, it's actually kind of one of the fascinating things about watching Batash is because you watch it win this sprint so early on. And then actually the final, you know, two furlongs where you ex- would normally see a sprinter sort of pull away from the pack and win its race. Obviously, Patash isn't going slowly, but it's not really accelerating at that point. And that's the kind of yeah. fascinating thing about watching the race. I think if we can very soon, we need to get the Big Chill podcast horse to get into a race against Batash and we just tell the jockey just instantly start going as quick as you can and see if you can beat Batash for the first furlong and then we could just claim that we own Batash from the start. <laughs> All I'm going to say is there's two well there's three things I'll say on that. One, if we did own a horse anytime through soon, the prospect that it could be that it could race against Batash in any scenario. The supplement would be huge, wouldn't it? It's like, two. thanks for buying this horse. You need eight million to two. supplement it. Yeah. To the kind of donkey we would have, even if you instructed the jockey to just beat it to death from the moment the stalls opened, it would still probably lose by six lengths. And, and by lose by six lengths, I mean the first furlong. Oh, okay. Behind. I don't mean, I, I I don't mean it would somehow it's pulled off this absolutely stellar attempt. <laughs> no, no, I don't think, I'm not arguing Winning. they would only Well, coming second lengths. in a maiden race at a group one is yeah. impressive. No, 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 no. I mean six lengths behind after a furlong. I just want I, the gates to open and I want the announcer to go, and the Big Chill podcast is going for home. <laughs> yeah, he's committed. Early. No, it the would be, out. and the Bill Big Chill podcast <laughs> is going home because it has not left. It has not left the stalls. Hey, I wouldn't it mind it withdrawn. Seems to be grazing. Withdrawn isn't the worst thing for us, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah still gets our name us. out there. Then, because then, what we can do, overall. what we could do is, if we deliberately get the horse withdrawn, what we can do is like make noise about it. And just say, look, it's very erratic in the stall. It may not actually go in, but if it does, that is the horse. And then like see that. people like gamble with it, thinking, well, you know, these trainers told us this. So our like ultimate that. goal with owning a horse is large rule four deductions. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm talking. So then we end up at like some like class six. That's wow, living <laughs> We're getting the there. publicity from. Yeah. But I guess to wrap up. To wrap up then too, if we're talking about the Ybor Festival, one topic we probably do have to cover at least quickly was the fact that Dottori skipped the Ybor Festival to go to France, to go to Deauville for two rides. He only just, yeah, only had two rides, admittedly two favorites and two group ones. So it wasn't as if he went over to just ride some in a maiden. And, and But because of the change in the quarantine rules, he's got to go through, a, I think they've cut for... Um, specialists or something i think it's been cut to eight day uh quarantine but it still meant that he had to miss the ebor festival he opted to do that and then that that kind of sent everyone into a spin in british racing where they thought is this the is this the sort of sign that british racing is no longer what it what it once was and that more and more jockeys will go abroad because of bigger prize money more horses will go abroad because of bigger prize money and most worryingly that more owners will want their horses to be abroad and won't even invest in British horse racing because they'll see bigger prize money elsewhere. Yeah, I can, I can sum up the, the Tory part in two words, right move. 
without a doubt. I mean, he's going to make way more money doing what he just did than if he ran five winners at York. So yeah, it play it, it paid off for him because he won them both. And now admittedly, both of them were nearly, I mean, Mishriff went off odds on, um, and, uh, Palace, uh Pier. Palace Pier hovered around odds on, I think in the end went off 11 to 10, but kind of flirted around that margin anyway. So it's not like he took some huge gamble. He went to right. He went to ride two heavy favorites in, in big races. And he doesn't have, because of Enable skipping the Ebor Festival, he doesn't have a kind of premier ride at the festival anyway. So it's a kind of perfect storm for Dottori going to France. I think people have been a little bit too reactionary just to the news that he went abroad. Yeah, so for instance, for that race, it looks like the prize money was 290K for the Palace Pier race. And that's I think the, the judge for the winner or that's the total prize pool for the race. I, I, I'm not probably the prize really sure. Yeah. I don't know how much the winner actually gets, well, but comfortably six that. figures. Let's say, let's put it that way. He's definitely, the horse is winning six figures and Dottori is picking up a nice little paycheck for himself. Then Dottori is going Mish- home with at least. Oh, no, no, that, no, that was first. That's for first. That's for first. Okay. Fair yep. enough. And then Mistriff was 135. Okay, so how much so is he, that? 290, made, 135. He's made 40,000 euros on two rides. How much? 40,000, I guess, because he's getting... Are you, you're taking 10%? Say he's getting 10%. So he's, he's made about 40,000 on the two rides. So okay. that's not bad for a few minutes' work. For York, the winner for the Judmont International is getting 155. And he would have... That could potentially be his best shot at a big prize because he's got Lord North in there, and that's going to be one of the only races that has a... That's probably the biggest prize at York, and that's not even what he made on Mischief. Yeah, and I mean, there's the other argument too, right, is that Gosden... I'm sure in Gosden, in managing his horses, probably thought, these two horses have brighter futures for me, so I would like Dottori to ride them. Because you see the, the reverse of that, obviously, is that Circus Maximus went to France and yeah. Ryan Moore did not. And that's probably a reflection, A, of Ryan Moore assessing his chances of winning that race, but also O'Brien thinking, does Circus Maximus need another outing with Ryan Moore? Does that significantly change or alter its future? To me, the, the issue, when they kind of, which has been touched on as a result of this, Dottori going abroad doesn't matter. It's Frankie Dottori goes abroad all the time. <laughs> and he'll go wherever he gets the best ride. That's just what's going to happen. And he may even go, I know he said it was because of prize money, but he may also go there because he likes sort of having a bit of variety or riding a particular horse. He'll make that decision. And as it turned out, he's now spoken about how he likes the fact that he's got this week off in Doville. And he's not complaining about that. So yeah. <laughs> There's, there's, the, there's a lot of factors to weigh in there with, in the case of the Tory. To me, the issue in, in British horse racing is overall, there are a lot of races with virtually no prize money. And it's just yeah. because there's too many races. There's just yeah, kind of I mean, seven meetings on a, on a random Tuesday or Wednesday. And you're expecting to get, you know, that means seven meetings with probably a seven race card. And you want at least you know, six, seven horses in each of those races. There just aren't enough horses. There aren't enough good jockeys. 
nothing, just the whole quality gets hit. And as a result of that, the prize money also gets hit. Well, the thing with British horse racing about 15 or so years ago, probably, yeah, about 15 years ago was that it was on the crest of a wave in the UK because like bookmakers were a lot more, there was more liberalization of like bookmakers, but also because bookmakers were able to open longer, they then opened a lot more and because they then opened later as well there was a lot more tv deals being made so they were able to show all of this horse racing because they needed evening racing they needed global racing from like asia in the morning etc and then naturally this spurred on like these new all weather tracks um you know these kind of lesser cards i guess you know like chelmsford wolverhampton for example um so there was a need for it one point because there was a demand for it because people wanted to gamble on more stuff bookmakers wanted to stay open for longer but i think in a post-covid world like you're never you're rarely going to be able to see now cheltenham with three hundred thousand people so by logic you know like you're not going to see foss Lass. i know it's shut now but you're not going to see those kind of race courses pull in punters anymore so i think you're going to see this massive like a shrinkage which is a shame in a way because you know a lot of people still make a livelihood on lower quality racing still but i i just think it was obviously because they, it obviously was so they don't big it was so big 15 years ago and it was so, there was such a there was such a virtual demand for it, i guess in a way that um this is probably the byproduct of it now to me it's just they just killed it they just they thought they were on to this you know magical thing that could would continue to produce this sort of you know cow they could endlessly milk and the milk has run dry you can't have that many races in a day and that's probably the issue, which you kind of touched on. I'm sure bookmakers are still turning a really nice profit on having random racing on, racing on a Tuesday from these smaller courses where prize money might be £3,000 for some maiden you know, in, in, in a race. And bookmakers are probably still turning a, a decent profit, enough on it that if you ask the bookmakers, do you still want this racing to go on? They'll say yes. Because either they're, they're getting enough people to have actually betting on the races as a single or it's drawing people in to place bets on other things at the same time or someone keeping someone sitting in a bookmakers for longer because they think there's a race in 15 minutes and so they're using machines or they're doing whatever or it's just people chucking them in which is the most likely outcome with someone like me chucking them into a random accumulator and maybe that horse that like no one's really ever heard of before racing at you know some smaller course loses to me, I would rather see horse racing where you have two or three meetings a day. Stagger them if you want to. So maybe you have one that starts with the first races at 11, and then you have another one where the meeting starts at 3.30, and then another meeting that starts at 7 o'clock in the evening. But you'd have better horses, you'd have better races. Yeah, the issue, I think this is a flat racing thing as well. I, I actually don't think it's as big a deal in jumps. Fundamentally, jumps racing is in three places. France, the UK and Ireland. And I think that it's a very wintered thing. There's some summer jumps, but they're very well known. There's like a very few set of courses that do summer jumps, but it's a very winter thing. It's very confined into itself. I I think flat racing, you're right, is bloated because it's year round. It's global, truly global. You've got race. You've got this race in like Mauritius one day a year where you get like William Buick going over there. And that's the kind of issue that flat racing has is there's does, way does too it, much. Does of the it. doiler go? <laughs> I have no idea actually, but I remember William Buick being out there, but the, that's the point is that jumps racing is confined to like a six month period, seven months, what grand national to end of the ledger, I guess. Um, and 
it works because it's in three countries. And even though there's lower quality, fundamentally, it's still a better card. I think flat racing has become too big, in my opinion. I think you're right. Yeah, the, the issue is they've oversaturated the market. But now you're at a point where it's tough to cut back because then you're affecting so many other aspects of people like small time breeders and trainers who are making their career because of the amount of horses because of the amount of races. So you cut down the races, you're cutting down the horses that can race, you're cutting out a lot of those people who are breeding the horses, training the horses, things like that, who are there because of this gradual rise that they've had over the years. So it's like a tough thing to it's, it's easy to say like, yeah, the racing would be more competitive. But if you do that, you're cutting off a big chunk of the racing industry that are the ones that you don't see, you know, they're not your John Gosden's and your, your Magner trainers and things like that, uh, Tabor's and all those people, but there are people who have a huge stake in the industry and you'll cripple the industry that way. I, I mean, it's, it's a big thing that's always open for discussion is like, they've built it up now and now you really it's it'll be not that easy to bring it down like that maybe i think the reality is that and this is probably what it's revealing is the majority of those people are losing money and historically most people involved in horse racing were losing money and even a lot of the people at the top not people like gosden and o'brien but in terms from an ownership perspective will still be losing money they have so much money oh, yeah, that they for- don't that they don't care. I actually think that's the killer is you, you've, lo- you've lured people in to being involved in horse racing, you know, and I'm not trying to say that horse racing should remain this kind of elitist activity, but fundamentally before, you know, if you went back 30, 40, 50 years and further, trainers would have all come from a certain background where there would have been no pressure on them really to make money from what they were doing at the top level, right? And the same for ownership, you know, the, the Aga Khan does not care if he if he loses a bit of money on the horses that he owns. But, and I think that's the, that's the danger is that you've got now these people in it who do think, Ooh, I could turn a profit or from a trainer's perspective came into it thinking, wow, there's tons of money in horse racing. And now they're sending, you know, you see horses sometimes that have been bought for 500,000 pounds racing in a maiden where the prize money is 5,000. How are you ever going to make your money back? Oh yeah, no, I, I agree. But I mean, the other thing too, you have to think about is if you cut down the races, isn't that just going to make it more of this O'Brien versus Gosden versus three other trainers, you know, like it's going to be even harder for, well, first off, a lot of the trainers aren't going to be able to do it because they're not going to be able to fit in their, their horses. So it's just going to become basically like Bally Doyle versus Godolphin versus Gosden. Maybe. I would say there's two reasons why that might not be the case. The first is that you would have bigger fields for a lot of races. So you maybe wouldn't have this situation where O'Brien is able to have six of the seven runners in a race on a consistent basis, which in a, in a way allows him to prep so many horses for the possibility of going to a group one. Because he's able to see like, oh, first, second, and third, they all ran well. They got to kind of run their true race. And so if you did have a situation where every time you were racing, there was 12 plus runners, he maybe doesn't have as many options when it comes to a group one. The second would be the real pressure on O'Brien in terms of him turning money with Coolmore isn't actually delivering group one winners from the perspective of the prize money they deliver is from the breeding perspective. And if, if you had a switch in the model of fewer races, fewer horses, 
it might reduce some of the pressure on him just to have a sheer number of horses racing in group ones all the time. Because what he's trying to do from that really is just churn out horses that he can make breeding revenue off of. But there's going to be less horses being bred. Yeah, but when the ones that are real winners are going to have probably a, a higher fee there. And you're probably going to have fewer being bred, but in a sense that it's got, they're all going to be bred from the same, you know, sort of handful of, of horses that you want to have a group one winner coming out of, which is the case anyway, right? I mean, it's not like O'Brien has some mystery. Every, almost every O'Brien horse is a Galileo. Like it follows the same, you know, it's all follows the same pattern. It wouldn't change anything for him, but I do think it might just change the dynamic there slightly. I don't know what they're going to be able to do, but it is definitely an issue. And, and it's an issue to the fact that even the jockeys and the trainers have brought it up pretty publicly. There's been a few jockeys that have really come out and said something. So we'll have to see kind of if there's a way they can fix it, especially now with everything going on with COVID, it's not helping the situation. But um, real quick, before we wrap up, just to give a live update, Toronto is over Brooklyn by 17 points in the fourth. So that looks like a, a cozy win for both of you boys. And Colorado is up three, nothing on the Coyotes. So that really doesn't have much for us, but might as well be done that game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much done. <laughs> but yeah, so Sam, are you on? Can you go on your like Ladbrokes or something real quick? Why? What do you need? So let's do Bayern minus one and a half. <laughs> PSG to win. What was the other one? Uh, Europa League. Um, Inter-, Inter Milan Inter- to win. Wait, what are you Inter- doing? To win. PSG outright. Uh, to win the game. Yeah. Okay. To win the match. Bayern minus 1.5. If you were in the window, you'd be a lot quicker than this. You've lost your touch, Sam. He wouldn't have been. That's why he's not there anymore. <laughs> is this why you're not, is this why you don't work for them anymore? Um, you would have struggled yeah. to get, you would have struggled to get your bet on before kickoff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, game ended three hours ago. And what was the inter? What did you say for inter? Just to, to win. win. 5.35 to 1. And, and then Gaeth. Oh, and of, then oh God. And God okay. okay, this is getting silly now, but that's fine. You're going to be at around 20 to 1, I would think. Love it. Uh, Probably a little less. 15. I can't. It looks like Bet365 have taken down the... Gaeth betting from Antipost, so I can't see it. They've heard our podcast already. They know how confident we are. <laughs> they wanted to. They obviously wanted to suspend the market before all of us. Yeah, the there. judgment's not up there. But uh, which on. one's love running him? I can. I can get it. I think the Oaks. Yeah, I think. I think Eddie's right. I think you're going to be about eighteen to one. Ooh, love it. Because you're at eight and a half now. If you add a six to four, and then a one to two. I think you're going to be about 18 to 20. Okay, yeah. It's so you've got Gaeth at 11 to 8, Love at 4 to 9, and Batash at 1 to 2. So okay. depending on the bookmaker, it's going to come in around 30 to 1. Oof. I love that. Yeah. That's so, the Big so Chill cool. podcast. Are you happy with that, Eddie? Are we giving that as the Big Chill, the big chill podcast 6? I mean, I would probably, because it's 30 to 1, that would probably allow for me to be a little bit more conservative there. I would probably knock the Bayern Munich handicap out and just say Bayern to win 
and I'd probably take Inter Milan to lift the trophy. If ah, I were, and, and I don't like Gaeth, so obviously I would be leaving Gaeth out. But to me, that seems like a pretty safe, safe, uh, safe set. But I'm yeah. booking that bet. All right, that's Frank and Sam's tip. I like that as well. <laughs> well, we can sort that out later, then, Frank. The, the Duke of Curse be the right. Jones boom. <laughs> Who's going to win? <laughs> hey. All right, boys. Well, good chat. Until next time. Good chat. See ya. See ya. Cheerio.